This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. We are recording this on Sunday night, and we just had uh, probably the worst moment in baseball fandom history that I have, at least since I started following it. We're going to talk a lot of baseball tonight with Jeremiah and with Daniel. We're going to talk about the the Big 12 and the draft, especially TCU. We had a recruiting camp that took place today that Jeremy Clark's going to fill us in on. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, we have had a lot of cries from our fans that we would talk uh, talk about baseball. And we earlier this week, we said, hey, let's just have a show where we do nothing but baseball and give it a lot of focus and talk about either great timing or terrible timing. The Frogs lose. They don't even – all we get is a field goal. We give up three touchdowns to Texas Tech out there in Lubbock, lose the series uh, two to one. Well, we've got a lot of questions to talk about. Daniel, let's just start with you. I know you watched this. We were texting during the game. Just what's your first guttural response watching us get curb stomped by Texas Tech? Oh, it sucks. Um, I, it, it's more frustrating than even the Baylor game than, you know, they got killed in. Um, it's very confusing. It's very frustrating. You know, I don't know what it is exactly. There's things that are specifically not happening, like Barzilli and Watson, they can't hit. But then there's uh, random uh, pitching that just does not work. And then there's random pitching like uh, Nick Lodolo the other night who, you know, threw a gym. And there's no consistency. And I cannot, for the life of me, um, quite put my finger on what the real problems are You know, I I see, well, I don't know the underlying, you know, underlying uh, issues. There's something not right because sometimes we're hitting, sometimes we're not. Some people come in, you know, slumps happen. Scout had a real bad slump. He came out of it. Now he's on fire. But some of these other things like the, like Barzilli and um, Watson, um, you know, they're just not getting it done. But then the pitching's not getting it done. But then sometimes it is. I don't know. It's driving me absolutely insane. And then today was probably, like you said, uh, the lowest point uh, that I can remember, at least off the top of my head, um, absolutely getting crushed by Tech. And um, and not only that, losing you know the, the game before that um, on a basically a three-run home run. It's just been really rough. Um, and I can't say I'm too confident uh, going forward. I think you summarized how a lot of us feel. It was, it was frustrating to watch. You know, if you just go back over the last few weeks here, you go back to the West Virginia series. We, we dropped two in Morgantown. We lose two one run games. Then we come back and we take two from three from Baylor, but we give up that 16 run. We lose 16 to five in that middle game, then lose to Stephen F. Austin. And then you kind of just felt this weekend coming, no matter how optimistic we were. Jeremiah, I know you're a big TCU fan. I know, I mean, for baseball, and I know you're a big baseball guy. Just watching that game today and, and just what you've been able to feel from the team the last couple of weeks, put your finger on it. What are you seeing? What are you feeling about TCU baseball just in the last couple of weeks? You know, it's it's funny. We're talking like this because, you know, you look at the record, the 31 and 11. They're still in first place in the Big 12 by a game. But, yeah, I mean, you, you'd have to be blind and not see some of the problems that are starting to pop up with this team. Um, 
you know, Daniel hit on some stuff that I agree with. I mean, where's Josh Watson's bat? The guy hit 11 home runs last year as a freshman. He hasn't hit one this year. Barzilli's been a mystery. I mean, I, I will say Barzilli hit the ball hard a, a number of times in this series, but he just can't he can't buy a base hit right now. Um, you know, Brian Howard can't find the strike zone. Um, you know, and before the last two starts for Nick Lodolo, he has not looked like that front line, you know, freshman phenom that everybody expected to see. It took him a little bit longer to kind of um, kind of relax and, and, and get settled into his his uh, his role with the team. And I think you're starting to see that with him. But like Daniel said, also it's, it's inconsistency. It's, you know, when they're hitting, they're not pitching. And when they're pitching, they're not hitting. And they haven't really put it all together. Not, part of me says, you know, I look at it and I say, okay, they haven't put it all together yet. So that means this can still be a really dangerous team if they start doing everything, you know, in sync. But I just – I don't know if we're going to see it this year. And what I what I think might be one of the weaknesses is your middle bullpen. You got, you're relying on a bunch of freshmen this year. Um, some guys have gotten it done. You know, Cal Coughlin's been been pretty solid. Halen Green's been pretty solid. Um, but there's just there's still you just don't have the feeling if one of your starters can't go more than two or three innings that you've got a guy in middle relief that can just carry you um, like a Trey Teekle could. Um, you know to get deep into the, to get to Durbin Feltman. So I think middle relief is a weak point. Um, and I, I just think inconsistency and, you know, one more thing on the lineup. I mean, if you look through the stats, the numbers aren't bad overall. Um, I'd like to see what they're hitting with runners in scoring position. Cause I feel like this team leaves a lot of runners in scoring position and I feel like they get thrown out on the bases an awful lot. And I know that has to do with their aggressive style of play, but those are just some of the things that I've picked up on. Um, Obviously, like I said, they're still 31 and 11. There's still plenty of good that they're going to be able to do, but they really need the, their middle uh, relief to step up, I think, um, and they need to be hitting more consistently. You know, it's interesting you say that about the bullpen and middle relief. I, I umpire high school baseball, and I was talking to a coach between innings the other day, and he said, you know, they play seven in high school. He said, when we get to the fourth inning, we will do everything we can to to create chaos when we're up when we're, when we got when we're taking when we're batting that inning anything we can do to you know knock a pitcher out knock another pitcher out be able to run the bases create some chaos because what you got is a guy that's not good enough to be your starter and not good enough to be your closer and you get in that spot and it's a, you know like you said it's a freshman or it's a it's a shaky arm that can be good but when he's not good you got problems and i feel like that's kind of where we're at i think you put your finger on it in terms of what's wrong with the pitching rotation is you are leaning on a lot of freshmen you're not able to 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 have confidence in that 6th or 7th inning when we really need to shut things down and hope that you know we we can run we can run our way into a run or Luke and Baker can hit a two run home run that that is the that is a spot that i think we're paying a heavy price for at this point this year well, I'll just ask you two guys again here. Let's let's go through a couple more questions that um that I know you guys have a lot of content on. So, Jeremy, let, let me or Jeremiah, let me just start with you. Uh, what do we know about the Big Twelve right now? I mean, Tech has clearly got our number. What do you where do you think the frogs stand in terms of the rest of the Big Twelve? If you just kind of took a snapshot over the last couple of weeks, because I know we're still in first place. I know I know the Sooners did us a favor today, beating West Virginia, and next weekend West Virginia and Tech play, so that's going to help us out. But where, where do you see the Frogs fitting in? If the Big 12 tournament was this weekend, where do you see us uh, lining up with everybody else? I still I still think TCU is the team to beat. I, I go back to that West Virginia series, and I still think that's a series they should have won. That loss was squarely on Durbin Feltman's shoulders in the ninth inning. Um, if you 
if that does that little mini meltdown doesn't happen right there, you take two of three from West Virginia. Um, I think they're better than West Virginia. I think West Virginia is to me the third best team right now. Um, I think it's a toss up between Tech and TCU. I mean, Tech clearly has an explosive offense, and they're tough in Lubbock. And that you know they ran into some bad weather. It's really windy. I think Tech hit six home runs today. Um, so I mean, they can explode as much as anybody. But I'll put TCU's lineup against anybody when they're all rolling. Um, the biggest thing I think Brian Howard needs to get it figured out. I mean, this is a guy that you you need to be able to lean on. He's a senior. And you need to be able to lean on that when you've got a bunch of young guys. Obviously, we didn't have Janzak this weekend. That's big. Um, but I think he should be back, hopefully, in, in the next week or so. Um, I think if they can get their, their their starting pitching to get five, six innings deep each time out, they're going to be okay. But if they keep running out guys that are getting knocked out in the second and third inning, it, it just it's not going to it's not going to come together like they want it to. Can I ask a question? Go right ahead. Not that I'm a baseball guy, but was today's loss worse than the 70-35 loss for football? How bad can that loss hurt, hurt a team like that? It's one game. And that's the thing about baseball compared to football to me is it's one game. And, yeah, you lost the series, but you just brush that off and you pick your, you just go back in the next game and you get back to what you do. And that's one thing I think having a coach like Schlossnagel comes into play is he's the, the king of getting these guys mentally prepared. So I think – they can get it turned around real quick, but yeah, I mean that hurts. That's that was a gut punch, and there's no doubt about it. Tech was enjoying every bit of that. So, uh, but that's just one game. It's it's one series, and uh, TCU just needs to put their head down and keep playing ball. Yeah, the the way that this is different than losing seventy to thirty five is I didn't drive five hours out there like I did back in <laughs> in in oh four and leave leave Alito at like four thirty in the morning to get out there and treat, drink really bad Coors Light at nine thirty in the morning. That's the only difference that I'm able to put my finger on. So, <laughs> yeah, but I I think you're right. I mean, like I, this is going to be a great opportunity for our coaching staff and to, to see what they're able to do. I have confidence in them, but this this is an intersection season when. Are accurate in that, Jeremy. That this team is going to have to decide what they're going to do after getting punched in the gut and getting throat punched by Tech today. Whose fans, like you said, they loved every man. My Twitter account just caught so much flack, and you know, people I didn't even know, and I had a nice little block party. But man, they were they were enjoying every single minute of that. <sighs> man, it stunk, I but it wasn't quite, as bad, wasn't quite as bad. I, I feel like losing to Stephen F. Austin because they're not supposed to be good. Yeah, yeah that, I, that whole thing was they, – they just looked flat. I don't know. Um, I think – and that's another thing is you, a game like that, that should never happen. The, those types of games shouldn't be happening at TCU this, at this point in the season as you're trying to push down the stretch run here. You shouldn't be lo- losing to Stephen F. Austin. But, you know, I mean, there's there's some good teaching points here. You know, Daniel, I know you got a really good pulse on the team because you're you're able to get out there for the Tuesday night games that maybe not everybody else is able to watch the midweek stuff. Watching us against Stephen F. Austin, you know, take if you were to compare last year's team to this year's team, at least you know going into the Big Twelve turn, but going into postseason play, where where are we stronger this year? Where were we stronger last year? What's your snapshot compare and contrast between the sixteen frogs and the seventeen frogs? <clears throat> well. Definitely stronger because at least last year, I, I don't, this is off the top of my head. You caught me off guard here, but um, Watson was hitting, Barzilli was hitting, so we had you know felt like a more complete lineup. Um, the pitching was there. Let's see, 
you know, it's it's a lot in a lot of ways it's the same team. I think only Steinhagen is the only guy uh, starter kind of not coming back. I felt a lot better about them last year. They, you know, were a little more consistent. You know, so yeah, they you, you can they catch fire at the, at the right time, but every you know they were firing on all cylinders at the right time. Um, right now, it feels like you know half you know like uh, Jeremiah said. You know, when we we can pitch, we can't hit, and vice versa, and it hasn't quite come together at all, except for those non-conference games and we looked good in the Houston uh Shriners uh, classic that looked good but it just it, it's fallen apart so compared to last year um I had confidence in the team that they would go and do well in the postseason right now not even close Jeff one more thing though you know I was talking earlier about I feel like they're leaving a lot of men in scoring position um one of the things I've noticed is that to look across the lineup. If you get a chance to look at the statistics, they're striking out a lot more this year. They're not putting the bat on the ball. And so even balls that might've been a sacrifice fly before, or, a, you know, just move the runners over. They're not They're I mean, Scout, even though he straightened it out and he's hitting like three forty, three fifty, maybe in the, you know, the, I think the first 16 games, he's hitting like a buck 80 and now he's hitting up around two ninety. but he's still got 63 strikeouts this year. Uh, you got Josh Watson, 41 strikeouts. I mean, you've got five or six, five, six guys that have over 30 strikeouts. That right there, that's a problem because you're not, even when you're not getting a base hit, you need your guys to put the ball in play to make things happen. Other team might make an error. You might get a, a sack fly out of it just to move runners. I mean, if you're swinging and missing that often, that's really going to stall your offense. And I think that's one of the major issues right now. You know, I think about earlier in the season, I felt like we were digging ourselves into the hole early in the game, and then they had these amazing dramatic comebacks that everybody cheered on and you followed along. I mean, you think about the Aggie game down at the Shriners Classic. That was that was crazy. That was ridiculous. I was up till like 1.30 in the morning watching that game. That was a heck of a lot of fun. But we were down to, what, our last out to be able to win that game. You can't put yourself in that position because sometimes you're going to come back, but it's like the way a, a, a loose fumble bounces. Sometimes it goes right into Josh Carraway's hands and he goes 70-some yards, and sometimes the other guy picks it up and goes 60 yards for touchdown. You just can't count on those awkward moments where you catch a break because sometimes – you get that spot and transitions don't go your way and you lose 21 to three. And I feel like that's kind of what we're on the receiving end of right now. It's not just like, you know, that they're, they're not playing hard. There is some bad luck. We are not putting the ball, the bat on the ball. I agree with you on that. But I, I think if you just, if we can step back, which I'm terrible at, we are in a good position. We are number one in the big 12. I think the big 12 is the best conference top to bottom. I don't care what anybody says about the sec. I, I think as long as <laughs> I think as long as we get the Aggies in the Super Regional, I think we can get back to Omaha. <laughs> so <laughs> that's well, I my. I, uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, the most recent Baseball America projections for the field of sixty four. They had TCU as like the number four national seed, and I'm trying to recall the three teams that they had coming in here. It was basically you don't ever want to call a regional a cake regional, but they couldn't have set it up any better for TCU, and they had them lined up with the Mississippi State Super Regional. Um, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good path to the, to, to Omaha. If that's something like that can play out, but TCU needs to keep, uh, keep winning at least at the clip they've been winning to be able to, to get to that point. But I, I still think you're looking at a team that's going to be a national seed. You know, I mean, you're still going to look at a top, you know, top seven team here, in my opinion, by the end of the season. 
Uh, they just got a couple of things they need to work out. You know, when they're rolling, when they were during that 14-game winning streak, you know, they weren't doing everything great then, but they just kept figuring out ways to win games. But I think they're going to be okay. But, yeah, it's a rough patch right now, and it's hard to watch because it's it's not what you're used to seeing. I don't recall a 21-3 to loss since I've been watching TCU baseball. So um, it was uh, it was a rough, rough weekend, but it is just that. It's just one weekend. So they can straighten it out. One thing that's killing me, just it's it's getting behind in the count. They don't seem to attack and get on the pitcher um, early in the pitch count. It's like they perhaps the strategy, it's the only thing I could think of, is they're trying to extend their at-bats to take out the starting pitcher you know, by the fourth or fifth inning or something like that um, because that's one way they were winning games during that long stretch is by once they got past the starting pitcher, then they were able to hit once they got to the bullpen. But they're getting down, you know, they'll stand there and take two strikes before they really start looking like they're engaged. And I know they almost always take the first strike. And I guess that's just Moziello's style, you know, hope for hope it's a ball. But it, it's almost like, you know, people have figured this out and they're standing there and they're taking strikes and then they throw them some high cheese and like Scow will swing out of his shoes at that stuff and, you know, that's just not con- you know, helping at all. It's contributing to, you know, the crappy losses like today. One more thing I want to say is here we are. Tomorrow's May 1st. When was the last time you saw a TCU pitching staff with a 4.26 ERA on May 1st? I, I don't, you know, that that's not something that, that rings a bell with me at all. So that's that's what, you, you know, you're looking at a team that's, that's just not pitching like they're used to and, the the clutch hitting hasn't been there, so there's a, there's a, there's a few different things that you could look at, but like we said, I I do think they're going to turn it around. It's, I don't think it's something that's going to be a prolonged thing, but some some of the trends that we're seeing are a little bit troubling, no doubt. And it's scary to have Texas come into town next week because they're you know actually kind of they're turning their game around, and that would suck to lose to them because I'm going to be there and I'm going to be around those horrible fans. <laughs> <laughs> That is going to be a great environment. I mean, when when we when we joined the Big Twelve, those are the kind of things that you know the headline is that oh, we're going to host Oklahoma and host Texas. But man, you get a baseball series that really matters in the Metroplex. Everybody and their cousins going to come out to that, as we've seen. That if if you're listening and you're and you don't have tickets, get to that series because that's going to be that is going to be enjoyable. We need to we need to get a, we need to get a lot of purple there. I don't want to see like all these rows of burn orange that need to be burned. So get out there and support the frogs. They need you. Especially Absolutely. with the slumper in. So, all right, Daniel, Jeremiah, anything else you guys got on baseball? I don't want this to feel truncated. You guys know a lot about this program. You guys know a lot about this team. Anything else on your mind? You wrote down anything you thought when you were cussing at the game? Because I got one question to end with, but I want to hear from you guys. Go ahead, go ahead, Daniel. I got a question for Jeremiah. Uh, <laughs> I don't really go have for much it, to add. We've pretty much covered what I was thinking. What's your What's your, what's your crystal ball, Jeremiah? For TCU baseball. Do I think they're going to Omaha? Is that the question? Yeah, make a prediction. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. This uh, The pitching staff scares me right now. And if you want to get to Omaha, you need you need pitching. I mean, I think they're going to hit. Um, it's going to be – I think they're definitely – I think they'll win a regional. I think I could see super regional. I say minimum super regional. But it's uh, – I don't know. If they are paired up with Mississippi State, that's a tough, you know, that's a tough super. We've still got a lot of baseball to play until that point. But if they don't turn the pitching around, I don't see them making a run to Omaha. 
Yeah, I agree with that, but I'll be interested to see how we can turn that around. I want to, if we can win this series against Texas and then uh, take two or three at Norman, I think we're going to be in a good spot to be able to to make a deep run. And then, you know, to get to Omaha, you got to have awkward luck. I mean, just, you know, go back to that extra inning game against the Aggies and what's a 15. You just, you've got to get a break. And I think we can get NC our state game a couple of years ago. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. How, how many innings was that game? Uh, I think that one just went nine, but didn't they I score eight so. runs? The yeah, they scored all the runs right there towards the end in of the, the game. Okay. And that was just it, NC State walked a bunch of people, made a bunch of errors, and just yes. it was it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Okay, was, was that what was the? I, I'm not the I'm not the obsessive fan like you two guys are. What was the game that went 22 innings or 21 Sam innings? Houston State. Sam Houston. Yeah. State. I didn't know that, that one, Jeff. Come on. That was in a regional. I fell asleep on the couch. I just remember that. <laughs> that's that's where the woo comes from. That's I know that's where the woo comes from. I, yeah. I had a one-year-old. My little one was one at the time, and I was up doing duty, and I just fell asleep, and I I couldn't stick with it. So, I know oh, I'm a terrible oh. fan. <laughs> Y'all don't want me to go to a baseball game because I will shoot the woo birds. <laughs> oh no no no! That's what makes us distinct, that's, man. No no, that's probably the worst thing for TCU ever in the history. No, I don't no, care. It's y'all spam me all you want. So I don't care. Message me, private message don't me, DM me. me on Twitter. I don't care. It's the dumbest dang thing I've ever heard. It is. Woo! No, it's not. The worst thing in TCU athletics history is Frank Winger. Come on. So I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> all right, here's my question for Daniel. Is it worse to get beat twenty-one to three by Tech or lose sixty-one fifty-eight to Baylor? Um, I'm gonna go with the Baylor because, come on, that's the worst. That's like the worst loss ever. I don't, the, the nothing if, compares to that. Okay. Yeah, it could have been any other team, and it wouldn't be nearly as bad. But because it was Baylor, and it cost us, you know, the playoff. That was the worst ever. So no way. Fair enough. I'll agree to that. I'll agree to that. So, well, hopefully we'll have some more baseball talk as we move forward this season. Uh, get out there and support the Frogs. we got to finish strong. We want to beat Texas. It'd be nice to sweep Texas. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get we're going to catch a break in the standings this week with Oklahoma, with uh, West Virginia and Texas Tech playing each other. Hopefully we can create some separation with both those programs moving forward. Get into that Big 12 tournament. I think we can do some damage there. That's where we're going to hopefully be able to generate some momentum. It would be nice to go to Omaha for four straight years. That would be that is the goal that would be great for those seniors to every year have gone to the college world series well we're going to switch gears a little bit here this last weekend hopefully you were like me and you sat on the couch and watched a little bit of the nfl draft tcu had um josh caraway picked in the seventh round uh jeremy i mean jeremy i know that you watched some of this i know that you're informed in terms of where everybody signed that wasn't drafted with some undrafted free agents were you surprised with who was picked and who wasn't and when they were picked? And is there anything about this draft in terms of its relationship to the Frogs and how we're able to market that to the recruiting that you see as a plus or something maybe that uh, we, need to, we need to do some work on moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was glad to see Josh Carraway get drafted for him to really five years ago just be a guy that was really under-recruited, 5'11", his junior season in high school, grew to 6'4" or six, three, he grew like four or five inches over the summer. But, you know, that was a guy that was originally a gray shirt offer. And then all of a sudden he gets an offer, but you know, it's a funny story because I don't know if I've told it before on this podcast, but 
Gary kept talking about Josh Carraway that spring, how he was going to be able to come in and give them depth. Well, understanding he was a gray shirt, he wouldn't be able to do that until January. So finally, I asked Gary one day if he was a scholarship player, and he said he was. So I called Josh for an interview to get his reaction about being a scholarship player instead of a gray shirt. And he was like, I'm a scholarship player? I got an offer? He didn't even know because they didn't relay that to him. So he had I told him he better call Gary and and uh, get the news from him. But it was really cool to, to see him, you know, kind of progress through college. He was obviously one of the best defensive ends in the Big 12 the past few seasons. I was kind of surprised Avion didn't get drafted just based on how he did at the combine. But in the back of my head, I just kept thinking of all the holding penalties and, and, and really some of the technique and the injury he had in 2015. Um, and some of the things that, you know, obviously NFL teams are going to look at. Um, but guys like Denzel Johnson and, and Deontay Gray signing, and that, that was big uh, for them to be able to continue their careers. I think Denzel is going to have a chance to, to make an impact, and Deontay is going to have a chance, I think, through special teams. I mean, he's going to be one of the fastest guys on the team. He ran uh, hand-timed around a 4.38 at the TCU Pro Day. So I think – uh, for a guy that's trying to make a team, he's going to really come in and, and play special teams, be a gunner on punt teams, be a good returner. I think the fact that he did play a lot of special teams at TCU is, is going to really help him. And, um, you know, you would like to see some of those guys get drafted to kind of booster TCU's, I guess, uh, you know, the way they've, they've had their players drafted in the last few years. But, you know, it is the ninth consecutive year a player on TCU's defense has, has been drafted, and that's something they can sell. And uh, obviously, uh, with those guys in camps, it's obviously something they can sell to recruits too. They've still got a lot of players in the NFL right now, and I think it's going to continue. Yeah, every time I, they would mention Collins as somebody that was going to get drafted, I was kind of scratching my head, and all I could think of is, oh, it's third and you know third and one, and Kyle Hicks gets seven yards. Oh, we have a holding call. Oh, we have a holding yeah. call. So, you know, I don't want to disparage him. I'm glad he's got an opportunity. He's got a chance right now. He'll make the most of it, I hope. But that yeah, was the I mean, that was not the guy I thought would be a target of the NFL draft. Well, I mean, you guys saw the same thing I did. He was, you know, they show Mel Copper's top ten available pretty much throughout the whole draft. And it was funny because I, I want to say right there in the fifth round, he started, you know, Avion started peaking in that top 10. And then the, there for a while, he was a top three. Then he was number two. Then he was number one. Most of the seventh round is, is a guy that was, you know, the, the top available pick, according to Mel Kuyper. So I was thinking maybe he's going to get picked up by, by someone in the late rounds. But um, I, and I actually thought that, you know, he may have chances based on the combine that he would get picked before Caraway. Cause I'll be honest, Josh didn't have a really good TCU pro day. He didn't test and, um, and he really didn't excel in the individual drills. He had a, he had a lot of trouble catching the football, um, had, had some trouble with some misdirection drills. I mean, it was not the greatest of TCU pro days that I've seen, but uh, I'm real happy for him to have a chance to go and go and play at Tennessee and, uh, Denzel's, you know, that's a pretty cool thing for him too, because he's always had a chip on his shoulder. Didn't really get highly recruited out of high school. Now he's going to have a chance to go prove some people wrong again. And this time it's going to be in the NFL. Great kid. Uh, he's going to be up there, be very coachable, willing to learn. And he's another guy that's going to really have a chance since he played so many, spe uh, special teams for TCU. 
he'll have a chance to make an impact up there for the Titans as, as well. Now, Johnson's is another one of those classic TCU stories, is he not? He got offered late, was nobody, was really not on anybody's big board, pulled him out of Gainesville, is that correct? Right, right. He just had, he really only had UTSA, and there was a couple other small schools looking at him, and he really didn't get that TCU offer until, I think, about two weeks before signing day. I remember going up to Gainesville and meeting him before he even came to uh, uh, TCU to get an offer. Um, they really liked him. Just classic, plays quarterback, but he's a great athlete, six-two. You know, two hundred pounds in high school was um, obviously, you know, not a very you know thorough passer. He didn't wasn't going to blow anyone away as a quarterback. But um, on defense, he was very smart. And obviously, getting a chance to play quarterback, you get to show a little bit of that athleticism. And for Gary Patterson, that's one thing that he likes. He likes to see, especially at those small small town schools, he loves a, a player that plays quarterback, especially if they're six two and two hundred pounds and they're fast. He'll he'll change that player to a to a defensive back in a heartbeat, and that's kind of what they saw in Denzel the whole time, and it it worked out for him. Now he has a chance to go impress some people in the, in the NFL. Well, you think about it. You got uh, Colby Listenby, Ty Summers, Sam Carter. They all played high school quarterback. And, uh, you know, Sam's got a good path going for him in life as a GF at Mizzou. You know, obviously Colby's going to hopefully have a big year up at uh, uh, for the Buffalo Bills. And Ty Summers has been starting since his freshman year as a redshirt. So can't uh, can't complain about Patterson's recruitment of quarterbacks and turning them, put him in a spot where they're able to thrive inside of his system. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Jeremy, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, and I sure don't want us to talk about conference realignment, but it's not good for the Big 12 whenever we have the draft because the only stat line that gets you know shown and tweeted and retweeted is you know the the massive gap that exists between TCU, I mean between the the Big 12 and every other power conference, including the American Athletic Conference, they had more players drafted than the Big 12. And I know that we've got 10 teams, but that doesn't fix anything. So what we how do we talk about this? How do we fix this? And I guess what I really am also interested in is how much of a drag is this on recruiting? And I want you to be as blunt as you can be. Well, I really didn't pay too much attention to it um, before this past draft class. And this one was kind of an eye opener because you're right. I mean, the, the big 12 numbers weren't there at all. Um, I, you know, I wish I had an answer for it. I think, I think sometimes pro teams are a little bit scared because a lot of Big 12 run the spread offenses. They, uh, it, it's really a systematic offense. Quarterbacks are, you know, it was. I was kind of surprised Mahomes got picked as high as he did, to be honest with you, because Tech's always been labeled as a uh, system system guys uh, for quarterbacks. But really, when you think about it, you know, when you think about the SEC, they they play a style that's similar to NFL. They play every player's big at every position. So basically, if you're trying to get the best candidate to fill your position, you're going to basically choose someone that has maybe a little bit, a bit of experience over some other people um, that might just have some good attributes. And, and with you know guys from the SEC, they obviously are big. They've played against some other smash mouth teams, not a lot of teams that are just going to spread you out. And, you know, I think that's kind of hurting the Big 12 right now because really, if you think about it, the really only positions right now that are just excelling are receivers. And I was 
quite honestly a little bit shocked that guys like Katie Cannon didn't get drafted. I, I couldn't believe that. I mean, Katie Cannon was one of the best receivers in college football two years ago. And, you know, for him not to even get really looked at, I mean, it was, it was shocking to me. Um, this, I mean, but in previous years, the big 12 has had, you know, a pretty good run. They need to get tech Texas, whether you like them or not, they need to have more guys getting picked. I think this next class, you'll see some more of that because Texas has some pretty good athletes coming out that are juniors. If they come out early, um, I think they'll have a chance to get drafted. TCU is going to have some guys that have a chance to get drafted next year. Um, Baylor, you know, who's, who's to say what they're going to have. I mean, they have a lot of question marks down there. West Virginia might have some guys, but you know, it, the thing I think about most Jeff is just the way the offenses are nowadays. You really don't have the six, three, 250 pound linebackers in the big 12. Those are obsolete. Now you don't have, uh, the big, just, Six four, six five, three hundred and thirty pound defensive tackles. I mean, you really—it's—it's it's really a speed league, and like it or not, pro teams—they like the big muscle league. I mean, you—you you really have to be for most minus the guys like Cole Beasley and you know the uh, guys from the Patriots. I mean, some of those guys just don't—you you don't have to have the—you don't have to have the size, but you know, for for Big Twelve. They, all they talk about is speed, speed, speed. And that's why I like it. even a guy like Cavante Turpin, you know, I fear that even though he's, he's so good in the big 12, does he really translate to an NFL top receiver? So just my, just my two cents on the whole deal. I've got a question. Go ahead. The big 12. Um, you know, it, I'm trying to remember what other school it was. I know TCU, what did they have? Eight seniors this year? Yeah. Okay. Eight seniors. You had, out of those eight, one guy was drafted and three signed as free agents. So 50% of your seniors. I mean, that's a really down year as far as your numbers go. If, if, so if you turn it around, if TCU's getting four or five guys drafted this year instead of one because you have your regular 18 seniors graduating or whatever it is. And then there was one other team that was like that. Was it Oklahoma State? Or do you know? Yeah, Oklahoma State uh, had a lot they had, of them. Yeah. You know, there was one other school that had you know very few guys. So you you add you know six or eight more draft picks. It doesn't look quite as bad, but yeah, I mean, there's no denying that it's less than the other the other conferences. I think Jeremy hit on it with the size of the guys. I think that has a lot to do with it. But I just think it was also an, kind of an anomaly just for the, the numbers point of it from a couple of schools this year having very small senior classes too. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And and. Jeff, you said, you know, it shouldn't matter because Big 12 has, you know, obviously less teams than other Power 5 conferences. and But people aren't going to look at that stuff. All they're going to look at is the bottom line and how many numbers there are for each conference. But um, I, I will I will say that was, uh, you know, I even tweeted about it. It was pretty cool to see, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes go as high as he did just because I think it looks good for the Big 12. Uh, and, and I think moving forward, going into the next couple of classes, that more Big 12 players will be taken. I just think it was just like Jeremiah said, just a, a low, uh, you know, just pure numbers coming out. I just think it was a, a low year for the Big 12, and um, you know, hopefully it, the trend changes the next couple of years, and I think it will. One of the guys I follow on Twitter that is a great writer. If you don't follow him, Alan Kenny, who covers OU, but he's got a pretty he's got a pretty unbiased mind. 
and has a Big 12 perspective on a lot of things. And he just tweeted this this afternoon. He said, I'm putting together top 25 NFL draft prospects from the Big 12 next year. It's about as ugly as, it, as you would imagine. I'm at 13, and I feel like I'm already beginning to stretch big time. After Malik Jefferson, who is it all a potential first-round pick? And I, 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 I don't disagree with that. But you talk about system Malik, you know, Malik Jefferson was obviously a massive get for, for Charlie strong is a, is a great athlete and will probably thrive in the NFL, but he hasn't done Jack squat in the big 12. He is not designed to shut down the offenses. I mean, I think one of those, those Turpin touchdowns back in 15 is where Jefferson got caught in the slot against Turpin, which is just a joke. He can't, he can't do that. And that's what they're needing him to do in this league. And the linebackers have to do in this league, but those are not linebackers that translate to the NFL. So there is clearly a schematic hiccup in terms of what we do and how that translates into the NFL. And I, I just don't want it to pay a heavy price on the recruiting trail. And that's always my fear and what I got an eye yeah. towards on a weekend like this. And that's, and that's one of the things I talked about during the whole recruitment of Baron Browning and Anthony Hines is, it's not just a TCU thing. It's a whole Big 12 thing because I think the last time a linebacker from the Big 12 got drafted in the first round was Derek Johnson out of Texas, I think. Golly, I don't even know when it was. Ten years ago almost when Derek Johnson came out and got drafted. That's the last linebacker that was picked in the first round by the NFL from the Big 12. So it's it's not just a TCU thing, but you're right. It's, a, it's an entire Big 12 conundrum. And that's surprising because you got – you know, Bob Stoops, like him or not, he he recruits like he's recruited in the SEC. He recruits big, big players. But, you know, it's, it's just when you look at all the talent that we've been able to see just within the last five years with TCU playing in the Big 12, it's amazing that you don't see more defensive players getting drafted, especially cornerbacks, because they're tested so many times during a game. But I think with uh, the way the recruiting has really – amped up in Texas the last few years with the, uh, you know, all the, you know, back to the 2014 class, you're starting to see a lot better defensive backs coming out, um, linebackers too. And as long as those, those players go to big 12 schools, I, I think you'll have a chance to uh, see some of those players get picked pretty good by NFL teams. It's like, you know, it, but they just got to stay in the big 12. I mean, Solomon Thomas, look at him and, and Jamal Adams. I mean, two guys, in the Metroplex get picked as high as they, they did, but obviously they didn't play for big 12 schools, but had they played for big 12 schools, you could bet they probably would have been picked in the same area. Well, that's something to keep an eye on going forward. So that's, and Miles uh, that's Garrett, sorry, Miles Garrett, the stinking oh, number pick in the draft. Yeah. So yeah, yeah just though, any of those three guys go to big 12 programs. They're still getting picked the same way. I think you're probably right. I will not derail us, but I will just say it took a lot of uh, restraint to not reply to uh, Devonte Fields' comment about how he wishes he never gone to TCU. Wow, he could not have been a... he could have been picked second or third round if he would have uh, kept his kept his crap together. So I don't want to hear that's it. That's all about <laughs> that's all about having accountability. Yes, and it is. Apparently, he doesn't have any. I know. God bless that young man. He needs something in his life, and it's clearly uh, clearly not there right now because, oh, my gosh, does he have talent? Does he have talent? So how would you like to be a quarterback with him and then Miles Garrett on the other? <laughs> Thinking about that in Arlington. Think about that at TCU. So, hey, there's, your, probably some guys, there's probably some guys in Weatherford that are still haunted by Miles Garrett's 12 sacks in one game. I was about to say, if you watch Miles Garrett's highlights, it's just basically – 
the Weatherford game in high school when he had like double digit sacks. Yeah, he, in one he game. literally had twelve sacks against uh, Weatherford one game. <laughs> wow. Well, we're uh, we're going to move towards the end here. Uh, Jeremy, give us a quick update here. You were out at a recruiting ca- uh, in, a, in a in a showcase today, for lack of a better term. Tell us where you were, what you saw, and what would be of interest to TCU fans with some of the high school prospects that you got to see up close and personal. Well, I headed out to uh, True Buzz Athletics. They invited me out to come out and and see some of the the prospects they trained from the 2000, uh, basically the 2021 class all the way up to 2018. Um, it was it was a really good experience. A lot of a lot of good talent out there. Obviously for TCU, uh, Eric Uzukama was out there. Jalen Robinson was out there. Damani Richardson was out there. He's a 2019 out of Waxahachie. That's going to get a lot of interest. Uh, Drew Sanders, a 2020 quarterback from Lake Dallas that I saw last year at the TCU camp is just shredded up 6'4", 205, and talked to his dad for a while, uh, running a 4'5", 4'6", right now. But, I mean, it was a really good camp. It's always good to go out to these camps and, and kind of meet the the guys no one knows about right now. And there was one guy, uh, I've been doing this a long time, fellas, and there was a kid today it, uh, Braden Smith was always the guy that was probably the most impressive looking kid I've ever seen. And he still is him and miles Garrett are probably still the most impressive looking young kids I've ever seen. As far as, you know, the guys I meet when they're either eighth graders or freshmen and you just know they're going to be good. And I met a kid today, uh, over there at that camp named Kendrick Blackshire. Uh, he's, a, it sounds dumb to even be talking about it, but he's a 21, a 2021 kid. But all you need to do is just go to my Twitter page and look at his picture. He does not look like a 2021 kid. He's about 6'3", probably about 235, 240 right now. Uh, just just a solid-looking player. We're talking wearing, about an eighth grader. Yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Here, here's the funny thing. Lancaster has a kid that's 6'5". He's an eighth grader. He's an eighth grade right now, 6'5", about 190, and he's already running a 10'7", 100. So I don't care if he's eighth grade or 12th grade, that kind of size and speed. That's why he's already got a Texas tech offer. So, I mean, it sounds dumb to be talking about kids that are in junior high now, but that's recruiting these days. That is, that is straight up recruiting. I talk about Ken Sills all the time from uh, Azel. Now he's at Weatherford. You know, these, these are kids that are just unbelievable players, whether they're seventh graders or 11th and 12th graders, they're getting college interest. They're they're good sized kids. They're obviously equally talented to kids that are three and four years older than them. So why not go out and start you know start looking at them and and uh, giving an evaluation? But the camp was awesome. I mean, I, I I saw a lot of kids that I didn't know who they were, and you get a chance to build some of those relationships with the younger guys, and they'll remember you throughout the throughout the uh, progress of their recruitment. Guys like Drew Sanders, who I met last year as an eighth grader, and you know, now it's it's pretty cool to see him a year later, and it, he's a guy that I'm going to continue to watch, you know, all all through his high school career. But the the good news for uh, TCU fans on the recruiting front got got a chance to speak with Eric and uh, Jalen Robinson today, and uh, TCU still in great shape for Eric. Uh, I, I want to say that it's going to be it's going to be the Frogs. Uh, I mean, I asked him straight up what he liked about TCU, and he gave me a lot of a lot of great stuff, and uh, he uh, asked him about A and M, and he really didn't say much about A and M. Good answer. Kind of, 
that was, I mean, it, and honestly, hand on the Bible, my, my, my question was, what, what about TCU makes you like them so much? He gave me some great answers. What about Texas A&M makes you like them? What, what makes them one of your top schools? And he just kind of stared off into space. Like I, like he seriously didn't know what to say about it. So I kind of got the feeling like, you know, TCU is in really, really good shape for him right now. Or he could be playing the game where he doesn't want anyone thinking he's going to TCU or, or A&M and just wants to go somewhere else. But, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Robinson, he's literally three seconds away at Pascal. I mean, he's, he's right down the road from campus, and that kid wants a TCU offer. He told me today, I want a TCU offer. And he's Make committed to I want a TCU offer. He's committed he's to Texas Tech, tech right to now. Tech, yeah. yeah. If, if TCU offered, it would definitely uh, it would definitely change some things. So be looking for Jeremiah's crystal ball in for Jalen Robinson here in about thirty seconds. He's topping it up right now. No, awesome. he, but, but, no, he's uh, he's he's a really good kid. Looks if you watch him in person, you wouldn't think that you know this is a this is a guy that's got so many offers because. He is fast. Don't get me wrong. He's fast. But when you pop in the film and, and, and watch his huddle, you're going to see a player that's just so electric. And and, and I'll be honest, I, don't, I really don't know what TC is waiting for um, in regards to an extend, extension of an offer. But I know he wants one. He made it known he wants. He made it known to me that he wants one pretty bad. And uh, I, I I do say that if TCU does offer, it could change some of the things in his recruitment, and he had admitted that much to me this afternoon. Well, Coach Patterson, I just want to say, Coach Patterson, I know you're listening 45 minutes in. Please, let's go over to Pascal and and, and get an audience with this young man. (laughs) He might be listening. He might might be. He might be listening, yeah. Well, let me pivot with you real quick here. There's two guys I want to touch on. Jordan Moore, the one half of the Moore brothers, there, it, it's been legendary in my mind that literally every top Power Five program in the country has offered these guys, and TCU has been the program they've they've both desired the 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 the, the offer from the most, but TCU has withheld it. So Jordan Moore was offered by the Frogs yesterday. Tell us a little bit about maybe what you know about what what made that happen, considering how long we held off, knowing how much Jordan Moore wanted to be uh, committed or be offered by TCU. And Jeremiah, especially you, you got a crystal ball in for Jordan Moore to TCU. Tell us a little bit about that after Jeremy tells us some backstory. Well, I met Jordan and Josh before their sophomore year. I've known about two years. I think I was the first one to ever do stories on them. But anyway, they, they've always kind of liked, you know, TCU, especially Jordan. Jordan's the one that really, really likes TCU. He's extremely close to Trevante Heights and loves, loves the frogs was just, I, I think if TCU would have offered a while back, he probably would have already been committed. Um, I do know he's seriously thinking about the frogs right now and he is going to visit the reason why the offer came so late, and, and this is just another point for people that think that TCU is just going to offer kids because they're getting so many offers. They don't. They don't do that. I'm just telling you, they don't do that. There's there's reasons why Jordan didn't have an offer before, and uh, part of that was he needed to get his grades up a little bit. Part of it was he needed to get a little bit faster. Well. And, you know, early this year or, or, you know, beginning of this of this year, 2017, 
Um, he did start to see his grades go up. His transcript looks better. And, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, once was a grade risk, and, and now he doesn't look like he's going to be that. Uh, that was a that was a huge huge factor for TCU not offering, and uh, he knew that he knew he he very well knew that. And when I interviewed him at the opening in Houston, he knew that TCU didn't offer because they wanted him to get his grades up. So he is very aware. TCU is very upfront with him about why he wasn't getting an offer. The speed thing came uh, really recently. I mean, he he runs track. And I tell everyone, if you're if you're a high school prospect, you need to get out there and run track. I don't care if you hate the workouts, you hate running, just go out there and run track because somehow or another, it's going to get you're going to get some notice. Well, Jordan apparently had ran a low 48 quarter, and a low 48 quarter is pretty darn good. Woo! That's flying. So that that kind of that kind of raised some eyebrows right there, and. Uh, if he's running, a, it's kind of the, the craziest thing in the world. Jeremiah and I have talked about it. It's, you know, we've seen Jordan run. He looks faster in pads than what he's going to run at a camp. I mean, at the, the opening, he ran a 4.8. And for a kid to run a 4.8 and to run a 48 quarter, that is almost, uh, that's almost too, too much to believe. I mean, it's too hard to believe. Uh, it's kind of like when you see a kid run a four eight, but yet he verticals thirty eight inches. It just it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, that that kind of opened up their eyes a little bit because if you're running a good track time, obviously you do have some speed. Um, and you know, obviously they're going to watch. They've watched more film on them, and 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 they were talking to him back. I, I did when I interviewed him at the opening. I did a story, and Paul Gonzalez was already talking to him. But last week, Glasgow went down there, saw him in person. And I guess maybe some worked out a little bit and came back and talked about it as a staff and decided to move forward with an offer. The funny thing is they've offered Jordan, but they haven't offered Josh. So that's part of that. I don't know if, if Josh would even really consider TCU right now, but I know Jordan is. Jordan is really the guy that between the two of them has really, really talked about TCU throughout the whole process. And Josh is at IMG now, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Jeremiah, why'd you put a crystal ball in the day it happened? Yeah. So it's funny. Um, I, I missed it right whenever, I guess, I guess Jeremy had tweeted out that he got the offer and I missed it. And then I checked my direct messages and Jordan had sent me a message. He said, Hey, go look at my Twitter. And so I went and looked at his Twitter and I, I direct messaged him back. I said, hey, man, congrats. I know you've been waiting on that one for a long time. He said, you have no idea. It's been, you know, forever. I said, yeah, we've talked about it. I know. And I said, uh, so I just asked him bluntly. I said, is it too late for TCU? He said, no way. And that same day, I got messages from two 2017 commits that said that he's coming to TCU. So they're already all talking to him. Um, that was the reason why I went ahead and put my crystal ball in. I, that's his dream school. Um, I think that eventually, I'm not sure how long it'll take, but heck, he, it might happen when he comes up to visit TCU. Who knows? I really don't know, but that's just, I went with my gut based on how he responded to me and I have other, other recruits tell me that, that he's coming. 
Well, I hope we land him. That's going to feel good. I think that's be an, another impact recruit in terms of our ability to, to to hoard talent in the in in the state of Texas and be able to show we're able to attract elite athletes. So, in closing, speaking of crystal balls, Jeremy, give me the latest on Justin Rogers. You're not going to get off this podcast until the day he commits, and I want to know anything and everything because um, my heart is like Gary's heart. He is the number one recruit on the board for this entire class. Tell me what we know after the LSU visit. TCU still on top. It was funny because uh, I love I, it. I talked to going to open a beer. I, I, I talked to EJ today, and you know EJ had put in a crystal ball for LSU and. So we were kind of wondering what was going on with that. And he said, he, he told me today, he's laughing about it, that literally not too long after he had put the crystal ball in, the same guy had called him and said, listen, TCU is leading that thing. I was wrong. The guy admitted that he was wrong to uh, EJ. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where it's almost like he knows where he's going already. I mean, I, I'm pretty confident that he's already recruiting for other, uh, other players. I know Slade Bolden is one of those kids he's recruiting and you, know, you got, uh, Darius Washington, you got, uh, the, the kids out of Evangel. I mean, he's, he's already actively recruiting a lot of those kids. The brothers actively recruit. I mean, he's, he's over on LSU's board, just pissing off tiger fans left and right because he's posting all kinds of stuff about TCU. And the, that's that's what happens though when you when you actually just don't recruit the player and you actually go out and recruit the family. And yeah. TCU's done a great job. Sonny Cumbie, Rusty Burns have done a fantastic job recruiting that family. And uh, you know they always sell family when they go out and recruit these kids. And that's a big reason why when you have these junior days, you don't have droves and droves of kids coming up there you don't have 80 or 90 kids they want to make it uh i i guess you could say just more one-on-one -on -one, um not only with the player but just with the with the entire family and it, it, it for recruiting that's what it is you're recruiting the family you're not you're not recruiting the the prospect as much as you are the family and and that's one thing justin has always told me is that they've recruited the family well uh my brother loves them my mom loves them. My dad loves them. Everyone in my family loves TCU. And I've never had any reason to back off that. You just, no matter what, LSU, um, North Carolina, and some people even think LSU may not even be in it as much as people think. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those deals where it's going to be fun to see the top quarterback in the state of Louisiana leave. And, and, and it's it's really a win for TCU over LSU because let's not make a mistake about it. LSU wants Justin Rogers. He's their top guy too. Yeah. So this, is, this, is, this isn't one of those deals where LSU can say, well, we didn't really want him. They know they wanted him, and TCU's likely going to win that game. I'm thinking about going down there for the spring game to see him and Terrace. Um, I'd love to, love to you know, kind of pick their brains a little bit. I know EJ's going down there. Uh, here in the next week. So he's going to have probably an update from Justin and Terrace too. EJ Holland will. Uh, so, I mean, it, it could be an exciting month here for TCU. 
I, I want him so bad. I think he's got so much ability, not only for this recruiting class, but for the frog offense going forward. So that's a, that's a great compliment. Being able to beat LSU is, is exactly what we want to do. That's, that's going to be a huge skin to hang on the wall. And I think what he will bring with him is, is just as important as what he brings. I can't wait to see him commit May, May 31st, right? That's his announcement date, his birthday. Yes. Yes. So that means he's like the, one of the youngest kids in his class. Yeah, he's 16 oh, yeah. years old. Yeah, he's <laughs> young, man. He, I mean, you're talking about a guy that if he was a 2019 kid, there he'd probably be the number one kid in the country. I mean, that's what's funny about it. I mean, he's he's just an amazing kid. He's going to be a great ambassador for the university wherever he goes. Um, you know, it, and it could be one of those deals where you may not you may not have all the quarterbacks on TCU's roster that you're going to think you're going to have by the time he gets here there. It may, it may be his and Sean's show by the time Justin's a sophomore. So and it's that that's another important aspect to look at that. He was at the spring game and I know all the, you know, the, the knee jerk fans were like, you know, no recruits going to be impressed with that, what they saw on offense. I believe the contrary. I believe any recruit that saw the offense and saw some of the receivers making drops were like, we need to come here because if we can catch the football, we're going to play. Or if you're a quarterback, I need to come here because from the looks of it, they're relying a whole lot on Sean and not a lot on the other younger guys. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where don't be such a knee jerk reactor when you see the offense struggling, because sometimes that, that is really a, a good thing. I can't wait. I told Jeremiah this week, we're going to do a show on Justin Rogers commitment when it happens. So everybody go ahead and clear your calendar for May 31st. I think we're going to do a show that day. I will be excited. I, I, I can tell you right now though. He's not silent. He's not a silent commit. Cause I've got some questions about that. He's not silent yet. Okay. Good he, to know. He, he won't do the whole silent thing. I don't think he'll do the whole silent thing, but Hey, there is going to be a, a quote unquote, there should be, a big offer tomorrow, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. That's something on we'll Monday. Uh, And by tomorrow, you mean Monday? On Monday. Okay. On so, Monday. Yeah, this will be out. A West, Texas, a West Texas kid. Okay. So, yeah, you'll get it. Uh, there'll be a big offer on Monday. We're recording this Sunday night, so. Yeah. It's hard to keep track. I'm on my ninth beer this show, so. Um, <laughs> Nine and an I know, hour. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's right, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. So that's sarcasm for those of you that are new to the show. Well, guys, I love this. It but we're probably need to ra- it's, it's still raining in, in Chicago. Yes, it is. It's still raining. So I can't believe uh, I can't believe you guys still got internet with uh, all that wind out there in Parker County. So yeah, especially out here in the country. That's right. Well, guys, we're going to wrap this thing up. This is an hour of really good content. I hope everybody that's listening to this enjoys it. A couple things. If you made it this far, do me a big favor. Go to iTunes and rate our show. Give us a five-star rating, which, of course, from recruiting, we deserve. We would love for you to be able to uh, help spread the word about this show. Every time you rate it, it shows up higher up the, uh, the searchable uh, list when people are looking for good college football podcasts. We love for you to go and rate our show. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. As always, you can find us at thefrogcast.com. And if you're not yet, what in the hell are you waiting on? Go join uh, Horn Frog Blitz. Go to hornfrogblitz.com, TCU 24-7 recruiting site. 
you got good community. You got a place to keep in touch with everything that's going on with TCU recruiting, as well as just a great chance to interact with some frog fans that consume this at the addictive rate that I know the rest of you do. So for Jeremy and Jeremiah and for Daniel, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening to the Frogcast. <laughs>